This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on wellness, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Hi, I'm Rachel. I've been to four U.S. national parks so far in 2020, and it's only the third week of January. I recently tried laser hair removal, and I'm a cacao student and steward. Hi, I'm Judy. I love hiking, I grew up on a boat, and I find cemeteries extremely relaxing. Hi, I'm Janelle. I like to listen to songs on repeat. My worst habit is not closing lids fully, and rap music makes me giggle. And we are your host of the True North Collective podcast. Hey everybody, it's Janelle here. Just checking in, before we jump into this episode, this is part two of our conversation with Judy. So if you haven't checked out part one, where we did an intention setting workshop with her, highly recommend you check that out first. You'll get a little bit more information on Judy, her background, why she's qualified to talk about trust, not only from her own personal experiences, but also from the professional realm as well. And it's a good time to just reground in our New Year's resolutions At the end of January, I feel like I always look back and I'm a month into the year and trying to figure out if my goals still make sense or my intentions still make sense. Um, Or if you've never done intention setting before, it's a really great opportunity to view goal setting in the new year in a different and new way that may work better for you or may at least give you a different perspective. So make sure to check that out. Check out her first episode, and we're going to dive into trust with Judy for part two today. Enjoy. I I never know what day it is anymore. (laughs) You really don't. (laughs) I literally don't. My schedule has changed so many times that I usually think Monday is Friday and I'm, uh, but how are you doing, Janelle? I'm good. Lots of... You're so tired. <laughs> I am. I got like five. See, I hate, I don't like to complain about this, but <laughs> I feel like it, it is always applicable to the conversation because I only got five hours of sleep and I'm not human under seven hours. Um, but I'm, I'm going to wake up. I'm drinking a Celsius and I'll, yeah, I'll make it happen. <laughs> Do you live by a train now? Um, I've always lived by a train. How have I never heard that? It is not that well i don't know it comes through like four times a day four or five times a day that's it it's uh oh, it's a surf liner it's the amtrak train actually oh okay well i it think there's like a few cargo trains but they don't come through hardly at all and the surf okay. liner is quick and short when i when dylan and i go to marfa a lot of times we stay in a place with the train literally is like in the backyard and so a lot of people complain about it but we love it and i mean it wakes you up in the middle of the night because the house like shakes but Uh, there's something so endearing it's like the old school way of transporting goods across the country i mean it's a cargo train and that is how things get delivered it's like i love it i find it very endearing yeah any place where there's a train i'm like (laughs) yeah our house doesn't shake i think that would bother me like you definitely can't feel that but i kind of i do kind of like that you can hear it it's um it comes at the same time every day too so i'm like oh it's like during the week it's uh, i don't know they might be well the weekend's probably different but during the week it's always 6 58 like exactly every single day in the morning and like i'll be like oh if i hear the train i'm like it's almost 7 (laughs) (laughs) a.m you should get your ass out of bed (laughs) 
my god i wake up now to at about 6:45 i think they start the the construction workers start their oh my god it's called something it's like their safety circle uh, a safety circle so if you look out the window they're all doing their stretches to make aw, sure that they don't get injured i love that <laughs> and Stretch then away. the jackhammer start <laughs> so, yeah so i don't wake up much past seven o'clock anymore which is a good thing gets me going yeah good and not good though um the new place i was looking at moving to um they they had a bunch of different units and one had very beautiful natural light but they're like whoa there's gonna be like a small construction project happening next to it uh-huh. i'm like let's like please define small and i don't know yeah. what i was thinking because i was like you know what I'm going to risk it. And then I talked to the owner and he was like, no, don't move into that unit. Like I, I can't in good faith, like feel okay telling you to move well, there. That was and, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. Oh, you're probably, gosh. I feel like I'm not thinking clearly, <laughs> but I was like the natural light. <laughs> and he's like, there's not going to be any natural light when the product's done. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god like literally how do you have such a nice person because Dylan and I came into this place being like we're leaving our old place because of construction and then we we're like look at this amazing view <laughs> and then one week later <laughs> they break ground he's like you're not gonna believe what I just saw out in the field and I'm like no oh yeah, yeah. that's I that's one thing um about slow that I can always appreciate is for the most part, I feel like people here are really honest and they're super nice, or at least they present nice, which I think the case is normally that they are nice. Um, but also being in a small town, I think you just have to always be more mindful because if you screw someone, like people know, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like in a city where you can get lost. Like your, I think your reputation in some ways even matters more. Um, yeah. In a small town, but I mean, I think this person is just genuinely nice. It seems like, obviously, but um, yeah, I was like, okay, that's very valid. Probably shouldn't move into that unit. Yeah, for <laughs> I sure. Know. I don't know. What I was thinking. Uh, <laughs> okay, cool. Let's shift to finishing our conversation on trust. Does that sound good, Janelle? Yeah. Um, okay, cool. there. I guess I would love to hear from you, Judy, around something that has really stood out for me, how you have influenced my life is in your total acceptance of yourself taking an unconventional path. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and being totally okay with it. I tend to be like a rebel, have a rebel instinct. I talk about that a lot on the podcast of just like, you know, I'm the one who like throws the piece of the boat off the side when I'm not supposed to, (laughs) or like you tell me to run and then I'm going to go slowly. Um, but I still, even in that will have like doubts or be like, Oh my gosh, but what am I, am I supposed to do this? And I really wrestle with it, even though I ultimately do what I'm supposed to, it's, it's a lot. Um, and I'm inspired by your ability to effort. Well, it comes across to me as effortlessly, um, choose what feels right from an inner guidance system and not be concerned with that outside of yourself. So can you maybe talk about, um, well, I guess, yeah, talk about some of the unconventional things that you've experienced and how you were okay making those choices. Absolutely. Um, 
I think one of the the biggest ones that I had to kind of overcome or really step into trust in was uh, my the fact that I had not <clears throat> that I do not have a college degree, and so despite having gone to college or tried tried college, um, you know, four different times and uh, really came to the realization, despite my great grades and the fact that there was no reason why I shouldn't be doing this, um, despite that, I just kept, I just kept not finishing. And so I had to kind of pull back a second and, and self-reflect on that and go, okay, what is going on here? Why is this happening? And why am I, um, why am I, you know, not, not able to, I guess, not able to finish it is how it felt. But what actually, when I felt, when I stepped back from it, it was like, the reason why I wasn't able to finish it was because I realized that it just wasn't where I was supposed to be. And it took me a while, uh, clearly after, you know, <laughs> after I kept going back and going back and the realization of going back or the reason that I kept going back was because, because of the fact that I didn't feel confident in it. It was like, oh, I don't have this, so I'm not good enough. And so that's what, that's what would drive me to go back. And then I'd get in there and I'd be, you know, and I'd be doing it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just can't do this. I can't do it in this way. It's not, it, it was either not challenging enough for me or it was, um, just, it just wasn't giving me what, it wasn't exciting to me. And I wanted to experience things that were exciting, that were, that I was passionate about that lit me up. And so, um, and so I finally got to the point where I would, that I just accepted it. And I actually did a whole bunch of research and saw, I mean, one of the things that reasons why I am in the position that I'm in is because I'm super passionate about helping other people reach their potential. And so I just kept exploring that. I was in the research of what makes people successful. And I kept seeing all of these really successful people that had dropped out of college to go and actually be successful. And it was it was actually the thing that helped them be successful. I mean, it was, you know, so I, I was able to, from kind of that external source, tap back into my own internal source and say, okay, if they can do it, then what says that I can't do it? And and so I just really explored that and started just stepping more boldly into it and, you know, kind of admitting it and putting it more out into the world and um, and owning it from the place of it just wasn't in alignment. I just wasn't supposed to be there and um, and and just eventually owning that piece of it. So I would say that was probably my biggest kind of unconventional um hurdle or, you know, unconventional path that I took, but it, it was a bit of a hurdle to get to where I am, you know, with it today. And so I actually see value in it versus it being a deficit. Well, and what I love what you're saying is that it's like, for me, I'm like, oh, she just decided to not finish and she was totally cool with it. And <laughs> the reality of the situation is that um, we don't always have the full picture. And now that I'm actually having the conversation with you, hearing you say like, I went back and forth four times because I was, I was like, this can't possibly be right. Like, I'm supposed to be in school. Like I'm let's try this again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, it was crazy. Yeah. Did you go back to the same school every time or was it different no. school? 
different schools almost okay. every time. <laughs> oh my gosh, where where were they? Um, well, the very first school that I went to was in Arizona. I went to ASU for a okay. year, um, and and then you know, that that didn't work out, and I decided to come home. And then just local schools in Wisconsin after okay. that. You know, just I tried the online thing. I tried. I mean, so the point of that is I tried all different ways and all different types of of schools thinking, okay, well, maybe it's this or maybe it's that or this one will fit better. And and I was it just it just didn't school itself. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it yeah, it was it was school itself in terms of it wasn't experiential enough for me. And so um, I'm kind of an entrepreneur at heart. And so to, to sit in class studying, and it, it's kind of ironic because I am a, a lifelong learner. So I am constantly studying and listening to things and learning and reading and all of that, but I'm doing it. I mean, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the stories about Steve Jobs taking the classes that he wanted to take. It, it gives me the ability to take to learn the things that I want to learn and that are relevant for me in terms of how I can do my job. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and my job from the, I mean, the reason why I am where I am today and doing what I'm doing is because I took the time to figure out what I'm super passionate about and what, um, you know, quite frankly, I feel like I've been doing for, you know, as I said earlier, I've been doing this for a long time. It just looked different in form. And so this was just kind of the next iteration of that. Yeah. And I think that makes sense though, because not traditional universities generally just like pick something and stick with it. It's not Mm -hmm. truly an exploration. Like you might start to take a class in six weeks in you're like, I don't, I'm not interested in this. Like, and, and I mean, really you, it's like, you should just drop it and take something you're interested in, but that's not really how the system works. Right. Then you're going to be deficient credits or maybe you're required to take that class and you're just kind of taught to muster through it versus listening to your own intuition and yeah, your passion and where are you actually feeling inspired as a student? Um, and you really want to spend your time it's just kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm on this path. So you almost just kind of go on, at least for me in college, I felt like I kind of just went on autopilot and it was like, all right, someone told me I had to take all these classes. Like I have a little bit of choice, but like, I'm just, I'm here because I have to do this in order to get to this end goal rather than truly feeling like I enjoyed learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and that was just my experience, but I can relate to that idea. Yeah, and you know, it's not that I'm anti-school. I think school is very valuable. All three of my kids have degrees, um, so you know, they have bachelor's degrees. So I, for me, it's not. It, it literally, I agree with you. It, it's, it just didn't. I'm so driven by passion. I'm super self-aware. Clearly, otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do the job that I do. Um, and so, it was. I can't. I have a hard time faking it. And so for me, it was because it was so out of alignment, it was difficult for me to just push through. Yeah, I agree. That is all very relatable for me, too. I would always just try to get out of it. That was <laughs> that was like my go-to. I would just go to the dean and I'd be like, well, here are all the reasons why I don't think I need this class. And this class can actually count for this credit. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love Did, you listen? Did they listen? Yeah, I got actually quite a few times. I got like I studied abroad and I was like, here's why this study abroad trip should count for this class, this class, and this class. And yeah, actually, I 
I ended up getting them to do it quite a few times, which was really cool. And I think speaks to the people at the university I went to that they were willing to hear my argument and actually in some cases move forward. But I also feel like I was that kid that was always going to the dean and being like, hi, it's me again. (laughs) I was going to say, though, it speaks to you, too. And when you're speaking from your truth, things happen. Like, right. I love that, Janelle. I mean, that is, that's no different than what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You just did it within the parameters of, of, you know, the system that you were in. Yep. And so that's beautiful, like to live intentionally and to start taking ownership of your experience that doesn't have to be, and I love this message, it doesn't have to be about leaving. Mm-hmm. It can be about staying and doing it, you know, and having those conversations and, and doing it your way. I think that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, someone once told me in college, and it's always stuck with me. It was actually in the sorority I was in, but we always talked about, here's the line, stick like most of your toes over it. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to live my life that way. (laughs) Like, here are the rules you want me to play by, but I'm always just going to keep pushing it, and I'll keep pushing the line forward until (laughs) it gets closer to like what I I want. But now I think... um, as you become an adult, there's less lines. There are more internal lines that we set on ourselves or walls or whatever analogy you want to use. And um, I think that's been a cool for me to just figure out like what walls have I just built based off of past thought um, versus the actual walls or, or lines or barriers, whatever term you want to use that um, I've just, you know, that aren't actually there. Yeah. I mean, that speaks to what I was saying earlier about, about how I was the one holding myself back by not believing that I was good enough without, you know, the full education or the traditional education. Mm -hmm. Clearly I'm educated. It's just in a different way. Yeah. And in a way that probably you took more from it because you were excited about it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's in, in a way that served me, which and aligned with who I am so that I actually can be more powerful and valuable for people and, and just in, in what I do, which is cool. Yeah. And what's cool about all of this is that, so then as I self-reflect, um, exactly like you said, Judy, no path is the wrong path. So, right. you know, for me, I, even though a traditional education wasn't ultimately what I continued doing, like it was, I, I was supposed to go through the four years of that school and experience what I was supposed to experience and then not go to grad school. And so, um, it's not that it's an either, or it's a, it's an invitation to truly slow down and listen to yourself and, to see if you can give yourself permission to trust what you're hearing, even if it might seem counterintuitive to the path that you thought was in front of you. Um, When I decided to start Unstuck, I was full-time with Thrive and I got this hit of intuition that I was supposed to do my own thing. And I was like, motherfucker, no, I'm not. (laughs) I'm supposed to be with them. Like this, I'm with them. Rachel. I was like, this is not real. This is not real. This is not true. This is not true. This is not true. And then finally I was like, it's fucking true. Shit. Okay. Okay. Now what do I do? So it's like honoring what you hear, not pushing it so far away, allowing yourself to like, okay, so if this is true, what do I want to do with this now? Um, And it's turned into this beautiful expansion. Like, I feel like 
I still work with you guys, but in a way that feels true to both of us. And you're able to run, you know, thrive in directions that I maybe didn't, like I wanted to run stuff in a different way and we're both getting to do all of it and still stay connected. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if I would have just stayed and forced myself not to listen, I would have become miserable and resentful. Or if I would have just left and been like, all right, we're done, I would have been terribly sad. And both of us would have missed out on how both, all of us have been able to develop as a result of me listening to that. Um, and so I guess my point being that it's not about staying in the thing or leaving the thing. It's the fact that it literally any choice, any iteration that you make can still get you where you're supposed to go it's just remembering to always come back to yourself and listen and adjust, like adjust as yeah. you get that new information. Well, I have a, I have kind of a, a different, another example of something that kind of speaks to that. If, if you want me to share that, um, it's, so I owned a business before Thrive. I've actually owned, so, so like I did with college, I did that with businesses too. <laughs> <laughs> and, but there's one business that I that I owned um, that I did from the place that I thought was aligned well with me because I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So I, I really, you know, have this drive to own successful businesses. And um, I it was my husband always wanted to own an, an ice cream sh shop and the opportunity presented itself. And I thought, oh, cool, I can open a business. It's, you know, it's something he wants to and um, and we can go do this. So we went into franchise. We bought a franchise. We opened it up. We opened it up at the worst timing, um, which is in terms of um, our you know economy in the U.S. Um, but that's OK. That's not what this story about is about. What the story is about is that I didn't listen to myself <clears throat> in terms of what the business should be. I just thought, oh, I could open any business because that's what I want to do. Well, that just doesn't align with me. So I didn't function super well. I did a, a, an okay job in running that business, but there were a lot of pieces of the business that I didn't want to be a part of that I ended up having to be a part of. So that that was very stifling for me. And so it just kind of reminds me of what you said, Rachel, about you know when you make those decisions that are not in alignment, um, kind of what that fallout can be. So we owned the business for three years. It was a very difficult three years for, for me, for my family. And um, we ended up closing that business. The learnings were incredible. And the primary learning that I took away from that was to do things that aligned with who I am. And that is what's going to be the best for my family and for my experience. Yeah. Well, it's funny too, because when you get to that spot, it's almost like there's no such thing as regret, really, because yeah. yep. <laughs> absolutely, and and time almost becomes a non-existent thing. It's just the experiences you're you're gonna have the experiences you're gonna have if you start to tune in, and the order doesn't really matter. It's and so I guess that's the the other thing that was coming up for me as all of us were talking was like even if you had continued and finished school and like had fallout there, like you were meant to experience the not listening to yourself. And then you were meant to experience the listening to yourself. And it was going to happen as long as you were turning inward. And right. so not being so concerned, I mean, similar to the intention setting thing that we had done, where it's like, 
don't get too worked up over whether the word is right because now you're just in the form of it and like and how can you just trust in the process of like be where you are be with the one that speaks to you today and allow yourself to be open to the new information that's coming and adapt if needed um and there's learning either way I always like to Rachel you've kind of done a good job of putting this idea into my head but it's information, like you just said. Like every experience you have, it, it like if you, especially if you have a logical brain, or even I guess if you don't. But sometimes I think it's nice. There, it's data. No, even if it doesn't go like you thought it was going to, even if it goes completely ter- terrible, or you do something and you hate it, you do something you love it, it. They're all just data points that are slowly guiding you to understanding yourself better and understanding more of what you want out of life. And when you start to think about it that way there is no regret. It's just, it's all learning. It's experiencing, it's being, um, and that really helped me. Like, I think you shared that with me at some point and it turned on a light bulb in my head where I was like, Oh, I'm just gathering data. Okay. This is good. This is fine. I'm all right. This is just data. It's great. You know? And that really helped me. Well, in that perspective, Janelle, um, was huge for me when we closed our business because, uh, I, I, the learnings that I had by opening that store were significant in terms of how to run a business, what I, what I liked and didn't like about running a business, what I was good at and what I wasn't, didn't feel like I was that good at. Um, it, it was huge information collecting for me. So I could have very easily played in the space of I'm a failure, I'm this, I'm, you know, and I lost all this money. I could have, played in that space for a very long period of time and I made the choice to trust it again we're going getting back to that trust and I think this was probably one of the most significant alongside my the college um, situation that I shared Um, this was probably my second biggest uh, opportunity to really build that trust muscle in terms of the perspective that I chose in that experience and allowed that to help propel me forward and saw all the benefit that I actually gained in it instead of seeing it as a failure. So when did you actually coin it as trust? Yeah, good question. (laughs) (laughs) I would say probably, probably that didn't happen until I went through my coach certification. Okay. I don't think I would have necessarily identified it in those terms until I went through um, my coach certification and really, really started understanding trust at a very different level. And so even though I was already in it and kind of operating and building it and utilizing it, once I went into my certification, I actually got words around it. I was able I was able to have some language around it that allowed me to really identify it. And then once I was able to identify what I was doing and I was able to then expand it from there. Yeah. I remember the first time for whatever reason, the time that it stuck, the the idea of a trust muscle was Mm -hmm. we were at that coffee shop in Milwaukee that was like on the corner. Mm -hmm. Remember that is like smaller and I had, I think I had just started with Thrive and I was like, I feel like I'm the weakest link at the table mm. and Which I couldn't get past it. Laugh. We all laughed. I know you all laughed at me and I was like, stop <laughs> laughing at me. This is real for me. 
<laughs> um, then, oh, she's serious. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I really couldn't get through it. And um, there's a few really amazing things that we talked about through that experience. One was you, um, you actually trusting that it was okay for me to feel that way mm-hmm. as somebody at the table. Yeah. You trusting and it gave me permission to trust that it's okay for me to feel this way right now. And even if I feel this way, who do I want to be? And so before that, I had heard you talking about trust and I was just like, waka, 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 like whatever, yeah. trust, it's like a buzzword. Um, but to truly experience, can I actually trust that it's okay for me to be self-doubting and to believe I'm the weakest person at the table and actually have an invitation to do still do something with it. Okay. So you're the weakest person at the table. Okay. What do you want to do? And I was like, well, I still want to be at the table. Okay, cool. So can you trust in, in feeling that way today? And can you trust that you can still show up at the table? And I was just like, yes, I can. And then all of a sudden, slowly, I started to not believe that anymore because it was a belief thing, but that's where trust really started to, to shift for me. It was like, giving myself permission to actually, can you really trust that you are in this experience and it's okay to feel this way and that you could do something different? Um, and then it started to become tangible. And then you called it a trust muscle. And I was like, fuck, I love building strength. I can <laughs> grasp onto the muscle thing. <laughs> yeah. I love the, I love the, and that you described. I don't know if people kind of pulled that out of what, when you were just saying that, Um, because we talked about that earlier so the and in it can i feel this way and still show up at the table can i feel this way and still be powerful and the answer is yes but most people go into can i if i feel this way then i i'm not good enough and i and i think a lot of people jump into the space of well then i need to be confident and to be in order for me to show up at the table i have to be confident but then what happens is if they're not confident then they don't show up at the table exactly and, and that's the thing that actually holds them back. Well, and for me, it's like, I mean, you guys have all seen photos. I mean, I look like I'm t- perpetually 12. And I would show up in meetings and feel like people saw a 12-year-old at the table. And if I needed them to see me a certain way, I never would have been able to show up as powerful Rachel. I would have just continually shown up as like, 12, you know, not 12 year old Rachel, but you know, lacking power, Rachel, because now that's how they see me. And so I had to do the work to trust that even though they saw me this way, or I perceived them to see me this yeah. way, um, there was an and there and I could still show up and not live into that reality, but actually create my own. And then pretty soon it was like, people were just like, damn. And it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, again it goes back to how does that the the whole thing i'm hearing and the whole thing that we're talking about is it it allow trust allows you to step into the fullness of who you are yeah and it's like without without really having trust how how else are you supposed to do that you know like to me that's the thing that, and, and just this is my experience, but that's the thing that has really allowed me to step into opportunities that I never would have stepped into, like own my value in situations that I would never would have owned my value in before. 
Um, I mean, that's even, that's at work, that's within my family. I mean, this doesn't just apply to one area. It, it, you know, once you start it, having that trust muscle, it influences or you, it impacts every area of your life. Well, and the other thing that I'm hearing in this is like trust from, and if you haven't listened to the intention setting episode, I highly recommend it because we talk about a being versus doing and an essence versus form. And it's, I hear you saying trust from a standpoint of like the essence of trust, but also the form of trust. Mm -hmm. So understanding um, from an essence standpoint, okay, this, the form right here in this situation might not be showing up in a way that I typically experience trust, but could I experience the essence of trust still? And understanding what the form of trust feels like for yourself so that you can bring that out within yourself too, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of cool to play with. Right, it's that, I mean, it's, it is, trust, Trust is using your example at, about you at the table, thinking that you were the weakest link, weakest link. Really the trust piece of that was over and above that or underneath that, meaning yeah. you can have the trust even having had that experience or even being in that experience. It's so weird. I mean, like- if I you know, it's so weird. It's like, how can I be in trust when I'm feeling insecure? Right. It's like, yeah. No, I can- feel insecure and I can trust that that's okay. Yeah, it gets super meta. It's yeah. like, okay, well, can you trust that you don't trust, but you want to trust? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can trust that. <laughs> I can't trust to not trust yet, but I can trust that I don't trust, but I want to trust. Yes, I, like, I know, it's <laughs> kind of funny. Do you know, how do you experience trust? Oh, I... It's a good question. I think internally that's actually something I've been playing with a lot because I, I view it sort of as my, my own trusting myself as like my own intuition and being able to listen to it and also just an internal sense of confidence in my skill set. And I think that the skill set side is something that just based off of my experiences I really honed in and focused on because I was always doing and um, I had all these experiences early on and I'm like, okay, like you are capable, you've proven it to yourself. Um, cause a lot of times for me, I think I trust myself by doing something, proving I can do it. And then I have evidence. Like I'm, my mind always goes to a place of evidence, right? I want to prove a point. I'm like, how do I gather da data? How do I gather evidence to, to prove this to me? Um, so I think that's my my natural instinct when it comes to trusting myself is like, okay, we'll try it and then you will prove it to yourself that you can do it. Um, but I'm trying to get better at trusting from a sense of like you, even if you haven't directly done this thing, you have all of these other experiences, you've been alive for over 28 years now, like you know things, so you don't always necessarily have to experience it to know that it's the right thing to do right now or um, that maybe it's just like not a good fit. Um, so I've been, I've been trying to play with that, like not having to experience every single thing in order to decide if I, um, if I like trust my intuition, right? Like just being like, Hey, maybe just listen to yourself and 
And this time you don't have to have that experience. You just kind of already know from past experiences, even if they don't necessarily feel directly correlated in this moment. Um, so I've been trying to play with that a lot lately and, and just listening to myself not having to experience and then listen, which you'll always do both, but getting better at sometimes just listening up front. I love, I love where you went with that, Janelle, in terms of intuition and trusting, trusting what you're hearing in it and then trusting to take the step forward in that. I think that is probably one of these most difficult things for people who are just starting to pay attention to themselves because a lot of times we're 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 living in the external space mm-hmm. and and also also um, we might have things in our lives that that have already told us or formed our opinion on why we can't do something or why we shouldn't listen to that intuition yeah. um, and so I really love where you went with that in terms of one of the most difficult pieces of trust is can can be not for everybody, but can be um, really trusting when those internal answers show up for you. Yeah, and that's something I I think the older I get, the more I realize that I've been in that external place. And I've always been t- been able to sort of hold my own or be de- um, independent. Um, and I think like from an outside perspective, people would be like, yeah, Janelle's super independent. She does what she wants. She figures it out. But I think from an internal perspective um it's actually something that I've struggled with especially I think in close relationships I think it can be hard um I'm the type of person if I if I'm in a relationship with you or I care about you we have a friendship we're my family whatever it may be and I have respect for you like I really don't want to disappoint people Mm. that I love and I care about and so there's this external sort of pressure that I put on myself. It's actually not the people in my life, but it's me wanting to not disappoint the other people in my life. Um, that all of a sudden I have this narrative of like what I should do. And it sort of overrides like what my, my internal trust is telling me because I'm like, well, no, these are these people in my life that I love and I respect and they have like different or sometimes, you know, more life experience in me. And then I start doubting my own trust even though it's like this is your life like you will know what's best for you like you're not trying to live someone else's life um Mm -hmm. so yeah it's that that bringing it inward of what you you know you at this point like you are a full-grown ass adult right (laughs) you you can figure it out without being so heavily influenced by the people that you love and care about and again they're important and I want to be able to listen to their thoughts and back into our intention setting workshop too. Like that was kind of my, my, I am was being able to listen, but also not necessarily, um, taking it on, like listening and just being like, okay, I appreciate that you want that for me and you want what's best for me, but I don't have to take on your idea of what's best for me because I actually know what's best for me. And I can still respect you and see that you're coming from a good place. Can I, I'm curious to know, I feel like I'm asking the question now, but <laughs> no, that's I'm, fine. <laughs> I'm curious to know when you, well, either of you have experienced a time, because I think there's so much fear when we're in the disappointing of somebody, oh, yeah. you know, to disappoint somebody. I'm curious to know when you have really owned and in stepping into an answer or your internal, your inner truth 
um, when you've really stepped into that and owned that, have you seen like incredible results from that? So even though the fear was there of, oh, oh I'm going to hurt this person, or I'm going to disappoint them, when you actually did it, it was actually beneficial for both of you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I Like the one, the example that comes to mind for me right away is moving. Um, when I took the job and moved out to California, I, I remember I was so excited. And then I was like, fuck, I have to tell my parents. <laughs> like, you know, I didn't really like, I, there, there have been certain times I'm like, I don't really want to bring it up because I'm scared to do this, but I know I want to do this. And I don't, like, I didn't want anyone else putting something on me, like whether they meant to or not, that would have been like, oh, you're right. I just shouldn't do it. Because, <laughs> um, you know, it's like so easy sometimes you're like, oh, I'm scared. So I'm going to look for someone to validate my fear so I don't have to act, like act essentially. Um, yeah. And so when I took the job and I told my parents, like I was terrified um, that they were going to be sad or disappointed. And I mean, of course, like as a parent, your child moves, you know, 2000 plus miles away, like it's going to be sad. But Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, the amount of growth that I'm experiencing from that has been really cool. And then I think even for my parents, um, you know, they come out West now and they went to Yosemite with me. They're coming back this year to go, um, to Zion and Bryce Canyon. And they're having all these experiences that mm-hmm. they probably wouldn't have done otherwise, or at least definitely not prioritized and, um, the time and like I mean they learn from all those experiences too and I think in some ways um you know my parents have said like they they appreciate my ability to take risk and whether that or to tackle risk and and whether they're they're doing that in their lives like I'm actually I've at least been an example for them of like someone from our family that has done that because a lot of people um I know you both lived in Wisconsin I feel like it's pretty common for people to have multiple generations that are from Wisconsin and they're very close knit so that people don't necessarily leave. Um, so it's kind of been cool to like flip it and say, I've actually been that example for my parents and whether or not they ever choose to leave. Um, I think it's at least opened their eyes maybe to something that's different and seeing someone that's so close to them do it, which they haven't really had a lot of people that have done that in their life, like just got up and moved and, and left and like went to go experience something new. So on both sides, I think it's been cool, but I mean, I was so scared. Like I, <laughs> I knew they would yeah. always support me. My parents love me. They always come around and support me. Like they watch me make these crazy decisions and I mean, they're not that crazy, but they're always, you know, they'll always tell me that they support and love me, but like leading up to it, it's like, Oh, I just, <laughs> I can't, I, I can't, you know, it's hard to get there. So, but I, I think it's always, the outcome is always good, um, which I have to really ground myself and remind myself that it, it'll be okay. They will always support you no matter what, even if it is shocking at first. I love that example. Yeah. It so relates to my life. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'd say for me, a lot of stuff. I mean, it can be even as small as, you know, I can tend in the workplace to just be the yes person, or I have historically tended to be a yes person so that I was seen as like reliable and go to, and, you know, we can trust, you know, we can, well, we can trust her, (laughs) um, saying yes equated to trust for me. And, um, 
just giving myself the chance to like listen that a no, trusting that a no. Um, so I work at a retail store. I work at one of the largest Lululemon stores um, part-time here in Dallas. And when I first started, um, people, the, the leaders were like, apply for key lead, apply for, you know, all these leadership roles. And I knew that it, what, that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And it could have been very easy for me to just say yes, because well, a, it's easier for me as a 36 year old to say, I'm in a leadership role at a, you know, in a retail store. Um, it was easier for me to say, because I was equating my worth with that. Um, but also just for my own like validation of like, I'm, you know, I'm good enough for X, Y, Z. And I said, no, I actually, what I actually want to do is create a coaching program here. I want to pilot a coaching program. Um, and so by saying no, even though I'm not used to saying no to my superiors, because that to me feels like, oh, and now I'm going to be selfishly asking for what I want. Um, but I was really not attached to it. I was just kind of like, this is actually what I want. This is actually where I can bring value, better value. Um, and what came of the conversation was a thank you of, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Let's pilot that program. And thank you for creating space for somebody else who can step into a leadership role for the first time and practice being a leader. For me, I've been doing it for a long time and I can always keep learning, but by taking on um, a role, it was taking it away from somebody else. So that yes would have been taking something from somebody and taking away from me being able to create this pilot program. And so even though I wasn't, I didn't even know that I was going to be asked and I didn't know that I was going to even ask to do this pilot program in the moment, because I'm pretty connected with myself now. I heard no, I said no. And then very quickly after was this, like <laughs> this, I just knew tell them that you want to create this pilot program. And so I did, and it worked out really beautifully. So I don't know if I necessarily went in there with fear, um, but I didn't have an answer except um, that historically I would not have said no to a, a leadership opportunity or a potential like step up in the ladder. And so to say no was not um, usually part of my programming and to be able to say no and then allow that inner wisdom to shine through that um, was really cool because it completely benefited everybody around me. Like I've seen people step into leadership roles because I haven't and just flourish. And I've stepped into a different type of leadership role. I've carved out my own thing that's now becoming even bigger within the company. And so it's been a win-win, win-win, win-win-win for everybody. Um, so yeah. Could you have even predicted that? I mean, that's no. so, such a cool story. I just no, love not at all. I love what you said. Well, I love how you said that, you know, people people then were able to step into those leadership roles and they're flourishing because yeah. able to say give an answer from your inner truth, which allowed that opportunity for somebody else. Like most people aren't thinking about that when they're, you know, asking for the things that they want. Yeah. Well, yeah. cool. that that Well, also just I never would have thought that's taking up an hourly role at a retail store would have opened as many doors as it has. So even me, 
I guess that would be another place where I trusted in like, yeah. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I'm supposed to be like, you know, taking on the whatever. Um, and it's like, it's been so cool. I've been able to create from the ground up a program that's now expanding within this organization and, and just trusting in the, in where it's going to go. So like even just saying yes to an, a quote unquote hourly role, put me in the position to be able to like have that all unfold. So yeah, you just, the form, it's like, it, it is an interesting form versus, versus essence of really like that dance and um, playing with it as inspired. And I think you've had a lot of patience in that scenario too. Cause I, I know for me personally, especially when it comes to I mean, well, let's, I'll be honest, everything, um, but specifically in this example career, um, it, it sometimes does take patience and it takes that, like you said, trust of, and without the attachment, but like, Hey, I still need to be here right now. Like this makes sense. And something can come of this because I start to get antsy. Like when I push and I don't feel like I'm moving closer, like sometimes it's easier just it feels easier just to jump ship and be like, whatever, I can find this somewhere else, which is probably also true. Um, but in the scenario that you're, you're sharing, Rachel, I think you just did a good job of like being there and saying like, this works and then also being patient. And then like all of a sudden, it's not all of a sudden, but like as an outsider, it's like all these things that you were hoping for are starting to actually show up, which is really cool. And it took some time, but like everything in life does um but you had the patience and like you kept standing firm in what you wanted and trusting that it would show up and now it's starting to thank you for acknowledging me for that because there are definitely times and you know that I was just like motherfucker (laughs) why isn't this going faster yeah so that's in there too (laughs) yes because that's Um, the hard part yeah yeah, the gap is the hard part for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Judy, are there any places in your life where you experience a lack of trust at this point? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a human. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lack of trust. Um, I, I would say that it, it, it shows up in micro doses, maybe a little bit more than in particular areas of life, if that makes sense. So um, in micro doses of, of experiences. So something will, an experience will show up and I'm trying to think of an example, but um, an experience will show up and I, I will kind of have to put my, and maybe it's a new experience. And so I'll kind of have to put my, you know, big girl pants on and, and step into it in, in a completely trusting way. Um, because maybe it's something that is, I'll call it a stretch for me. Maybe it's something that I don't, like Janelle said earlier about, you know, a lot of times we are able to trust in certain things because we've built a skill around it or, um, you know, experiences. Um, yeah. Or current experiences or we, yeah, it's something that we've done before. Um, so I think the biggest challenge for me or the biggest time that trust shows up or lack of trust shows up is when I, is when I'm really, really stepping into something that I haven't done before, and that's when I have to, like I, I call it micro doses because it's that's when I have to kind of 
center back to my trust muscle. So it'll show up and then I'll have to be like, oh, you know, wait a second. I can trust, you know, this, that, and the other thing in it. Um, I can trust that no matter what happens, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to collect data. I'm going to learn from it. And from that, I'm going to be able to use it or I'm going to just totally rock it. And I'm going to, and it's going to be amazing. And, and that would be really cool too, you know? And so there's always, a, it kind of, you know, sneaks in a little bit and then, and then I have to, or not have to, but I choose to um, go back to what I want to experience. And then, so again, that, that recentering back to just trusting the process, trusting that I'm supported, trusting that I've been in scenarios before where I haven't known what to do or what I'm doing and I've been okay. Yeah. So I think something yeah. you said too, um, that I've been working on is trusting that I'm going to fail actually. And that that is always okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like you said, being around, like being supported. So that's something even when I, I go into a job now, like I'll straight up ask my manager, like, how do you view failure? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to fail <laughs> because yeah. I will try things and I will take risks, but they're not all like, they're not all going to go well. So will you support me? Does this like role have room for failure and see what they say? Um, because I think that's really important to like, we are going to fail. So that's a part of the process. So do you have the people and the skills and the mindset to be able to continue to move forward and like, and, and like trust in yourself that that is, that's okay. And it, that was your learning experience that you needed to have, or you got to have, maybe you didn't even need it, but you got to have it. <laughs> um, which kind of reminds me of what you said, but the support piece is really important in that because if people can't support you through that failure, then um, yeah. it, it can really like, you have to really, really go inward then and trust that without everyone else's opinion, that it was still something that was good. Like that happened to you and you can learn from. One of the things that, that I do once in a while is I kind of revisit um, the validity of trust, I guess is how I would describe it. Um, and so I, I kind of, <laughs> because I'm a little bit, somebody might describe me as rose colored glasses. Like I constantly am, I'm optimistic. I'm, you know, I have these unique perspectives on even things like death because of, I, I grew up, my family was in the funeral business. So I feel like I have a kind of a unique, um, ex, you know, kind of, uh, experience with it and also then perspective on it. Um, so sometimes I go back and I, I have to, I like question it and say, am I just wearing rose colored glasses and is it okay to be trusting to the level that I trust? Um, or am I just, am I just being in denial or, you know, all of those things, which some people have said to me, I, that has, mm-hmm. I've had that experience where somebody is like, Hey, this happened. And you know, how can you be so positive about this? You're just in denial. Um, and I just keep, re- so I, I revisit it and I say, well, is that true? And every single time I go and do that, I, what comes up for me is, yeah, but I'd much rather be, I mean, I guess the, the answer is I would much rather be experiencing life in the way that I'm experiencing it through trust 
mm-hmm. than experiencing it through being skeptical and, you know, in, in despair and all of those other things that I could be choosing to, to be experiencing instead. And so I really, really look at it from that, that vantage point now, which is how do I want to be experiencing life and the choice to want to experience it in a much better way that feels better for me. And so that's really why I've leaned into trust and being able to um, tap into it in every situation, like literally in every situation. I was at an event last night for um, the chamber here in San Luis Obispo and one of the the gentlemen that was speaking um, and I think this speaks to like trust, not only internal trust, um, but external too. He said, assume positive intent. And I think mm-hmm. that kind of speaks to like, you're talking about the rose colored glasses. He's like, yeah, if you always assume positive intent, you might get hurt sometimes, but probably 98 out of a hundred times, it's going to end really well for you. And those two times where maybe you get burned like it was still worth having that positive outcome of assuming that people are inherently good and that they're trying to do whatever they think is best versus, mm-hmm. you know, viewing everyone like they're coming after you or they're trying to take something from you. And I think it's very similar. Like, yeah, you might sometimes be, um, you know, that might not be the reality, but it's, it's not the majority. It's the minority of times and having that outcome or like that outlook on life is, going to benefit you more so than the other way around like the few times that it -hmm. maybe ends up less than positive you also have the choice in the interpretation of the experience so you know if something like that happens you're super positive you assume positive intent and then all of a sudden you're let's say taken advantage of Mm -hmm. Um, you can see it as being taken advantage of and again you can choose how you experience that or you can see it as another opportunity to learn and collect data well and what i love about all of this whole conversation and the original question of do you experience a lack of trust is that it's not a one and done or like a get and done or whatever it's like you know you don't go to the gym and do like a hardcore workout and then you're like good for the year or good for the rest of your life you know this is a practice of consistently showing up with the new um the new set of circumstances that's showing up and choosing to continue to lean into trust um choosing to continue to um, experience when you don't what that feels like and gather more data and come back. And so it's not that you have this strong trust muscle and it's like there for life. Although I do kind of feel like you innately are a very, like, you do have more than the average bear. But, um, yeah. but even still, even with that, it's, you know, in micro doses, you still experience um, a lack of trust and you still have invitations from people outside misinterpreting what trust is for yeah. you and you having the invitation to reground in what it means for you to live in that. Um, and so I love that invitation of like, this isn't a, um, like, you know, and you're trying to get to this end point. It's like, you're constantly dancing with the concept of it and playing with it. And through that, that is what actually gets you yeah. um, to your own trust. That's why I think I've always um, referred to it as a muscle because, yeah. you know, it's just like any other muscle. Um, if I were to shift into 
um, skepticism and you know negativity, that trust muscle would go away completely. And yeah. so there's an intentionality behind how how I live that allows me to just continue in the practice of it. And again, you know, I don't have to do, I don't have to lift as heavy of weights to stay in it. But if I'm not, you know, paying attention, I certainly could go in a different direction. Yeah, totally. Well, I love this conversation. I feel like we're going to need to have you back on because Mm -hmm. we just like scratched the surface (laughs) so much. So you're coming back. Um, And... (laughs) One of the last questions we always love to ask everybody is, um, in one word, how do you live your true north? And I'm curious what your answer is. (laughs) My answer has to be, and it's obvious, is trust. Yeah. yeah. Like, I know it sounds, you know, it's not giving much um, more or feels unique or whatever, dynamic, but it is, it truly is the thing that allows me to live my true north. I love it. Well, I appreciate you so much and we'll put a link in the show notes for how people can get in touch with you. Like I said, in the first episode, Judy is my life coach and, um, my mentor and literally I am so grateful for your presence in my life and in unlocking who I've always been. Um, so thank you so much. And if anyone else wants to experience that with her, I highly recommend it. (laughs) Thank you, Judy. Um, yeah. yeah, thank you guys. I it was super fun to do, super fun to be here. And um, you know, as much as you're talking about me, Rachel, I feel just as grateful to to be in the your presence and um Janelle, you too. It's it's been a really cool experience for me. So thank you very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh warm and loving all around. That's um, way to start a we'll, Sunday. Yeah, I know. And we'll um we'll put programming links and stuff like that. So, um, everybody will have access to all that too, but thank you so much for unpacking trust with us. That was amazing. Yes. Thank you. This has been another episode of the true North collective podcast for more from Rachel and I check us out on the gram at the true North collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard, please consider leaving us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Until next time.